Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Hi FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiedman, and it's great to be with you here on this fabulous afternoon as we are gearing up and getting ready full steam for the fabulous, amazing, fundamental holiday of Shavuos. In Jewish vernacular, a festival is known as a Yom Tov. Literally, that means a good day. Now, a key difference between Shabbos and Yom Tov is that Shabbos is an inherently holy day, whereas Yom Tov can often and does fall on ordinary weekdays. So the thing is that the weekday itself becomes elevated, becomes holy because of the festival. So a Yom Tov transforms an ordinary day into an extraordinary holiday or holy day. The Yom Tov of Shavuos, which is upon us, is otherwise also known as Zeman Matan Torah Senu, the time of the giving of our Torah. It's the anniversary of the day that we received the Torah at Mount Sinai. And before God gave us the Torah, our sages tell us it was like there was a barrier between heaven and earth. It was impossible to truly, to be truly connected to God while living an earthly material lifestyle. When God descended from the heavens on earth and gave us his heavenly gift, the Torah, Hashem lifted that barrier, that gap was bridged. God made it possible for us, homo sapiens, fallible humans, to have a real, genuine relationship with Hashem. And so we are taught that we know Jewish festivals don't just celebrate ancient events of the past. We're not just commemorating a historical event, but we're reenacting these events on a spiritual level as we celebrate each and every holiday. And certainly this applies to Shavuos as well. Because on Shavuos, just as God gave us the Torah back then, we now are receiving the Torah once again. God issues the Torah to us anew. And this means that God expands and deepens our ability to grasp and to internalize the Torah's message. That is something that each and every single one of us has the ability. If we tap into the energy of Shavuos, then we will be able to receive the Torah anew and in a deeper, more profound and meaningful way. When God gave us the Torah at Sinai, you know, God asked for a guarantor. And our ancestors, in its essence, every single one of us, every soul was present then. The Jews offered their teachers. They offered their elders. They made various ideas that they presented, but God declined them all until they suggested their children. And that's what God accepted. Only our children can assure that we will observe the Torah in future generations, as the Medrash tells us. So... It's vitally important that the very guarantors who we and our ancestors presented at Mount Sinai back then should be present in shul when the Torah is given. And it's important for all children, children of all ages, and essentially, in a sense, we're all children. We're all descendants of our great ancestors, the patriarchs and matriarchs of our nation. We're all children at heart, even... You know, we run the Chabad seniors programs, and yet 
We call it the young at heart. Every single one of us should make every single effort possible to be at shul, to listen to the reading of the Ten Commandments on Shavuos Day. And I can only tell you about our shul, Santon Central. We will be reading the Ten Commandments at just after 10 o'clock in the morning. And I encourage you to go to whichever shul you're most comfortable with. And if you don't have a shul, then come to our shul at Santon Central. Santon Central Shul across the Chow Train, 8 Stella Street in Santon. We'd be delighted to have you join us. And hey, you could join us afterwards too for a delectable, dairy delight party. You are most welcome. And most importantly, we make sure that not only are we there, but we ensure that the children are there as well. We know that when our ancestors were asked if they would accept the Torah, what did they say? The response to God, their reply was, we will do and we will listen. With this, they pledged to obey the commandments regardless of, before they even heard or understood its reasons. They said right away, yes, we will. We'll do it. They didn't even know what it entails. Who would sign such a contractual agreement? Yet this is what our ancestors did. They said to Hashem, we accept. Only afterwards will we try to apply our minds and understand the reasons, and make sense of the Torah. And this kind of obedience, it bound them not just to the commandments, but to God, as in a real relationship that one has with their spouse. God, the commander of the commandments, is who our ancestors and ourselves committed ourselves to. On this day, we dwell on our ancestors' response. We strive to adopt it once again, to to live by the theme of na'asev nishma, that we will obey, we will do, we will fulfill God's commandments. And of course, the nishma too is most important that we should study it. But the na'asev, the fulfillment, the action came first. In ancient Israel, all Jews would make pilgrimages to the temple, to the Beit HaMikdash, on three major festivals. Which ones? Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. This holiday, Shavuos, is one of those holidays that all Jews celebrated back then in unison in the temple in Jerusalem, basking in the glow of the divine presence. And we too today, by going to Shul, we, Halavai, if we could be in Israel too, certainly, I've spent a few fabulous Shavuoses in Israel. It's an incredible experience, very well worthwhile. But if you cannot be in Israel, create the environment of being in Israel, of being at Mount Sinai, as it were, figuratively speaking, wherever you are. Be at the shul, listen to the reading of the Ten Commandments, and internalize its message in the most joyous way. The name Shavuos means weeks. And this Yom Tov is called Shavuos, weeks, because the Torah instructs us to count each day as we've been doing for the past seven weeks, beginning from the second night of Pesach. And so to celebrate Shavuos, the festival of weeks, at the conclusion of these weeks, we celebrate Shavuos. As the Torah says, Shiva Shavuos. So it's the culmination of that seven-week preparation process that just as our ancestors did from the time of the liberation from slavery, from bondage in Egypt, that they began to prepare with anticipation and excitement for the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. We do the very same today. And for seven weeks, we counted every day. We anticipated this day. And finally, after so much preparation, anticipation, Shavuos, 
is finally here. We get to celebrate with great celebration. So be at the shul, celebrate. There's so much to celebrate on this momentous occasion. Both we prepared ourselves emotionally and spiritually and psychologically each of these weeks working on refining different elements of our character traits, of our behaviors. And now's the time that God bestows the gift of the Torah upon us on this day, on the day of Shavuos after the seven weeks. And it's time for us to to really tap into the energy of this day and to internalize its message. Shavuos also comes from the word Shavua, which means an oath. On this day, God took an oath to never exchange us with any other nation. And we took a corresponding um, a corresponding oath to never abandon Hashem. And considering what we discussed last week, that Shavuos is like a marriage ceremony, you could perhaps say that on this holiday, we are renewing the vows with God. So let's get ready. Let's be prepared for this most spectacular and special Yom Tov, the Yom Tov of Shavuos. Let's talk about how to be ready and prepared. And this way, when Yom Tov begins soon, we'll all be ready. It's very important that every person, according to Jewish law, actually seeks out opportunities to personally prepare for this Yom Tov, not just to rely on others to get it done. Ah, oh, the rabbi, the rebbetzin, the, the, the staff. It's nice if we have domestic help. It's, it's great. But don't leave it all for others to do. When we involve ourselves personally in the preparations, we are honoring the Yom Tov. And the more we do, the better. So don't leave it for anyone else. Carpe diem, like we like to say. Seize the day, seize the moment. It's for each and every one of us to be part of this. And so, of course, you may have begun the preparations a few days already before, but obviously on Erev Yom Tov, the preparations are most noticeable that we are getting ready for this holiday. So when we prepare on Erev Yom Tov, we're making it apparent, it's noticeable, that all that we're doing, our shopping, our cleaning, our cooking, our preparing, it's all in honor of Yom Tov. It's not just regular housework that we're doing, but we are demonstrating our preparation for the special day. So it's important that we do everything we can and be part of it in any way possible to actually prepare and do the things that are necessary that Yom Tov can begin. Of course, one of the ways of making sure that we have a great Yom Tov is to ensure that others also have a great Yom Tov. I want to shout out to all of our wonderful volunteers who since the beginning of COVID have been dedicating every Friday, every hour of Yom Tov and Shabbos to bring food parcels to so many isolated and lonely seniors throughout Johannesburg. And thank you all for your participation in this and for your support and making sure that hundreds of seniors are not left alone. Besides for our daily programs at Chabad House for the elderly, where people come and enjoy the various therapies from memory classes and occupational therapy with Cynthia Lips and to our art therapy with Kim Abadi and to the biokinetics classes and to the yoga with Dr. Manucha Kennedy and to all the other activities that we have going on and the daily shiurim and the lunches and the meals and the trips and all the other activities that we offer at Chabad Seniors. But on a Friday, our 
amazing, dedicated volunteers bring the joy of Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov to so many seniors in their homes. And we're so grateful to them. So a big shout out and a thank you, because that's one of the ways of preparing for Shabbos and especially for Yom Tov, is to consider and to think about those less fortunate than ourselves. That's why in Judaism, we keep charity boxes everywhere, because we want to get into the habit of performing routine acts of goodness and kindness while we prepare to have a great Yom Tov ourselves. We're cognizant, we're aware that perhaps others can't afford to do so. And so we do what we can to help others out. And thank you all for all that you do. So back to preparing our homes and getting ready. There's so many tasks that we have to do to clean and to prepare our homes. And not just our homes, but also ourselves to get ready. So everything you would do for Shabbos, essentially, you would do in preparation for Yom Tov as well. Whether it's our personal grooming and for so many for the past seven weeks, not uh, taking haircuts and not shaving, whatever that would entail for what one person, for each person's individual uh, specific preparations, that should be done. And of course, if it comes to food, whatever your particular food preferences are, you know, your, your wine or grape juice, your chalas, you need a minimum of five in order to have lecha mishnah at the four yumt of meals. Um, what else, uh, whatever ingredients you're going to want, candles, make sure to have at least two 24-hour candles or at least one 48-hour candle to dedicate for Yiskar as well as in order to have a pre-existing flame to kindle the lights on the second night of Yom Tov before Shabbos begins. All of the preparations that you need to do, have a little checklist for yourself and go through it to make sure that nothing is left out. And, of course, Eruv Tavshilin to make sure that any cooking that's required to be done for Shabbos is done before as well. There is a custom that we adorn our homes and a shul with decorative flowers and trees and fruits in honor of Shavuos. And the reasons for this are numerous. The flowers remind us of our happiness of receiving the Torah. And they also remind us that Mount Sinai, which was previously barren, miraculously it sprouted Greenery, it blossomed when the Torah was given on it. So various commentaries discuss why it is that we decorate our homes and shuls with flowers. There's a very interesting medrash that tells us that a king sent his workers to pick the fruits in an orchard. But the orchard was filled with thorns. So the king was about to have the whole orchard flattened when one rose was found. And for that one rose, the king saved the entire orchard. And similarly, the Medrash tells us that God was prepared to destroy the world after finding that after 26 generations since the creation of the universe, there were not very many righteous people and who was fulfilling God's will. But then the Jewish people, Am Yisrael, we were prepared to receive the Torah. And so God saved the world in our merit. And so this is another Midrashic commentary about why we adorn our homes with flowers to remind us this analogy that the Medrash tells us that amongst all the thorns, there was the flower as King Solomon and Shira Shirim compares us to this rose amongst the thorns as well. And so these trees remind us as well to pray for our fruit-bearing trees because God makes judgments about the productivity of fruit-bearing trees on Shavuos 
Of course, it's also the holiday, which is known as Chag Habikurim, the holiday in which, in ancient times in Israel, that Jews would bring their first fruits to be enjoyed, the first ripened fruits to be enjoyed in Jerusalem. So by decorating our homes with flowers and fruits, we're reminding ourselves of all of these. And so it's important, and one of the most distinct uh, icons of Shavuos is the greenery, the beautiful botanic decorations that people bring to their homes and to their shuls, etc., to make sure that it is beautifully, beautifully decorated. We spoke before about Erev Tavshilin, because unlike Shabbos on Yom Tov, one is allowed to cook, but you're only allowed to for- perform tasks that have to do with preparation for a food for that specific day. So what cannot be done on Yom Tov, you can't prepare for the next day for Shabbos. So when Yom Tov leads into a Shabbos, then you cannot cook technically from Yom Tov to Shabbos. However, if you do the ritual of Erev Tavshilim beforehand, then providing that one follows the rules of not extinguishing a flame and not igniting one from the beginning, that using a pre-existing flame, and of course there's probably various rules that one has to follow in regards to electronic equipment in the kitchen, which I will not get into those details, but the to make sure that a Erev Tavshilin is prepared, and if you look inside your sitter, you'll find the details of exactly how to do so to ensure that one is taking from the weekday and including it into the Yom Tov, and then ultimately we get to celebrate the Shabbos, so and to enjoy the Erev Tavshilin food on Shabbos, and this should be done by all homeowners or anyone who's going to be cooking from Yom Tov into Shabbos. So make sure to find the right instructions in your sitter how to do so. So that is another important thing to make sure to take care of in preparation for Shavuos. We'll be right back in just a moment. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul, right here on 101.9 Hi, FM. I'm your host, Rabbi Ari Kiefman, and it's great to be with you here as we get ready, geared up, and prepared for the fabulous holiday of Shavuos that's upon us. And, of course, we know that as we get involved in all the extensive preparations, imagine any big event, bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, wedding, whatever event you were involved with. Sometimes it could become an anxious and stressful affair, getting everything done on time and to your desired taste and standard, etc. And of course, sometimes that can lead to farivals, hopefully not. But people do get stressed and anger and discord and, and, and arguments and all that can ensue. So we have to make sure that is avoided at all costs because you want to come into the yamtav with the best, the most pleasant feelings. So it's important that, yes, we have to ensure that everything's done and everything's ready and done, prepared properly for Yom Tov, but we cannot forget that our mood, our disposition also has to be kept, has to be in that Yom Tov spirit. So if anger and discord, God forbid, arise in our preparations, then it's not exactly the right mood we want to be in. We want our home and our food not just to be ready for Yom Tov, but we want that that it it should it should be without any kind of distraction that would in any way take away the celebration, the joy of the holiday. 
So, ladies and gents, do what you need to to get ready and prepared. And that includes men going to mikvah and grooming themselves as necessary and doing women's, whatever women's needs are, from makeups to manis and petties and whatever else you might do in preparation for the holiday. Make sure your home is beautifully decorated with flowers. And as you are about to usher in Yom Tov, remember, just as we welcome every Shabbos with the lighting of candles, it is obligatory to usher in Yom Tov with the lighting of candles as well. And our, we know that, you know, why is it necessary? Well, with load shedding, it's, it's certainly essential. But even without load shedding, with that aside, the idea of lighting candles to celebrate, to mark, to dedicate this day, it, it's something that even in the past where people didn't have electricity, but they had a separate candelabra for Shabbos and Yom Tov than they would for an ordinary weekday, we too should make sure that we're able to, that we distinguish, that we separate, that we see this day in a more special way. As we know, there is an obligation of Oneg Shabbos, the pleasurable experience to enjoy Shabbos, which applies to Yom Tov as well. People eat with their eyes and they want to see the food and want to make sure that the gastronomic delights are are enhanced by seeing what you're eating. And then there's also covet that it's a way that we honor our homes on Yom Tev and Shabbos by having lit candles. It sets, creates that setting, that beautiful, perhaps call it even romantic setting, that the home looks beautifully lit and prepared for the holiday to begin. And look in your siddur for the appropriate bracha that should be said. Unlike Shabbos, when your candles have to be lit 18 minutes before sunset, on a Yom Tev, you can light it later if you haven't had a chance, if you're going to provide a Yom Tov, not Shabbos, of course, but if you're going to be at, a, at, a, at someone's home, maybe, and you want to light it there, in whatever case it might be, best, of course, to discuss halachic matters with a competent rabbi, speak with your own rabbi, and, of course, they will be able to fill you in on the details and any questions you might have how to do it in the best way possible. And, of course, the lighting of candles and other common uh, misconception of people, how people think it's only a mitzvah for women. But obviously, if there is a woman in the home, and the truth is in the Chabad custom, even young girls light the candle starting from an age of understanding, usually from age three. But this is an obligation that is not only for women. You know, if a man lives alone, then the man should also light the candles. The obligation is on the home. And if there's no woman in the home, then a man should light the candles. And even when there is a woman in the home, Jewish law encourages the man to actually actively participate in the mitzvah. So what can a man do to participate in the mitzvah of the candles? Well, what I try to do is to set up the tray with the candlesticks to get it ready in some way or another. My father of blessed memory used to actually light all the candles before and then singe them with his finger in order to in order to have them light easier. So there's different customs of what people do. The main thing is we have to make sure that this is the de facto way that we accept the Yom Tov. And after that, no ordinary weekday act- activities can be done. Um, anything that would be muktza would be forbidden. So you cannot strike even a new match. You can't you have to use a pre-existing flame. So make sure perhaps that young girls at home would light before their mothers so that a mom could assist her daughter in the lighting of the candles. The mother would light the candles uh, last. 
so that the children, if they need any assistance, can be assisted. Of course, lighting the candles, it's uh, different customs about how many candles to light. Oftentimes, a single person will light just one candle, and then people will add more candles when they get married, two and one for each additional child who joins the family as well. So there's different customs. Whatever your custom might be, do so. Set the candles on in a safe place somewhere where it's out of reach of young children or uh, clear from any flammable objects. And ideally, your candles should be in should be visible from the table in which you're going to have your yomtev meal, so that everyone enjoying the meal can benefit from the glow. And especially if load shedding is a concern, then definitely you want to have those lights nearby. So remember to usher in the yamtiv customarily, ideally, while you're dressed in your yamtiv clothing. And it's also a custom to give charity before lighting the yamtiv candles to be considerate and to think of those who perhaps are less fortunate that you could assist them with, which certainly should have been done before, but this is all the more so now. And because we are not allowed to strike a new match to light from Yamtov for the second day, so you want to light from a pre-existing flame and make this is the appropriate time to light a Yisker, a 24-hour candle, to make sure that you do have a pre-existing flame for this purpose. Of course, you are allowed to ask a Gentile to, to light a candle for you if necessary as well, but make sure that you do so. And when you sight, when you're going to light the candles, there's going to be two brachas. The regular bracha of Lahadik Ner Shal Yamtov, and then the second blessing of Shekhiyanu, the Kiemanu, the Yigiyanu We thank God for the opportunity to perform the unusual mitzvah, this beautiful mitzvah of lighting the candles for the holiday, for Yamtov, for Shavuos. And while we get to perform the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles every week, it has been nearly an entire year since the last time we let candles for Shavuos. So, of course, this has a lot of excitement that we bless God for it. And we add the bracha of Shehechianu. On the second night, we say Shehechianu because what's called Sveka the Yama, outside of Israel and diaspora, the an additional day of the holiday was always added, goes back to biblical or temple times, when the identification of the new moon was cited by witnesses and those who lived far from Israel uh, were not able to be informed. No, what's that back then? So although that whole idea doesn't any longer apply, um, but because, you know, today we do have a calendar. And besides the point, Shavuos is always a holiday that is not really dependent on a date in the calendar because it's always it's always. Uh, you know, 51 days after Pesach would be the second day of Shavuos. But still, we say Shechianu, and we, you know, it's it's one of the things we do, even though it's not even that application of the spec, of the doubt of the day. Just uh, putting that out there as well. Of course, normally a bracha is recited before the performance of a mitzvah. But in this case, the bracha is recited after you actually lit the candles, because once the bracha is recited, it's actually considered as if we accepted yamtav, at which point you can no longer light the candles. So, well, yamtav you can, but Shabbos, when it's Shabbos, you can't, and ideally we should do it to begin the yamtav. So therefore, this is something that is done 
after lighting the can- after lighting the candles, you would recite the blessing to welcome the Yamtav. And of course, while lighting the candles, ladies, have in mind any blessings you want for your loved ones, for your family. It's a very powerful moment. And when you open your eyes, you can then say, Good Yamtav or Chag Sameach. It's customary in many communities that we light candles and actually many people bring in the Yamtav or Shabbos oftentimes a little bit early. And then they would often daven Mayrav early. And this maybe applies more in countries where it's summertime now and it's long days. But although that is the case with most holidays on Shavuos, we actually wait until after nightfall, around 6 p.m. in Johannesburg tonight, to begin the evening service. It's not a very long evening service, but the reason why we're particular on Shavuos is because it has to be, as the Torah says, Sheva Shabbosas Tamimas, seven complete weeks, 49 days of the Omer count, and the last day of the Omer is not complete until night falls. So you wait until the stars are out before beginning the Myra of service. The story is told that when Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin, who was a young child, he was a great holy Hasidic master, and he was playing outside late on a Friday afternoon, and his older brother was you know, telling him, hurry up, it's going to be Shabbos, and it's going to be Shabbos, you got to hurry up and get home. Well, Rabbi Yisrael looked up to the sky, and he confirmed that, indeed, it was nearly Shabbos. So his brother asked him, how did you know? And young Yisrael replied, he said, can't you see the profound change that overcomes the skies when Shabbos is about to arrive? So, as with Shabbos, when Yom Tov begins, it's a whole different atmosphere. And so, it is a, it is a short service on the, on the Yom Tov evening. It's a very short evening service, but I want to take a moment to perhaps point out a few highlights of the prayer. Although the beginning is pretty similar to an ordinary evening, just a variance when it comes to the last passage before the Amida that is um, more like Shabbos. And the tune might be a little bit more cantorial and specifically in the Yamtiv Nusach, the cantillation, the, the, the music, the sound, the tunes of the Yamtiv. But when you get to the Amida, and of course we're going to recite the Amida, the prayer that is said for each of the Shalash Regalim of the pilgrimage festivals, but this is where we declare and set the tone of the holiday of Shavuos. The central theme of the Amida prayer is our gratitude to God for choosing us as the Jewish people, as his, from all the nations of the world, to give us the Torah. So when we sing that song, that God gave us and chose us from all the nations of the world to give us the Torah, we also ask God to grant us the blessing of life, of joy, of merriment on this day. So just think that when you're saying this prayer, that this is the holiday, that God selected us from all the nations and focus on the time we were chosen when God gave us the Torah at Mount Sinai. So I think although this prayer certainly resonates with all the Jewish holidays, but especially so on this Yom Tov of Shavuos. The central blessing of the Amidah 
as you would say in any of the Yom Tovim of the holidays, ends off the words, Mikadesh Yisrael which means that God sanctifies Israel, but not just the people and the land, the nation of Israel, but also Hazman in the times. You know, on Shabbos, the central blessing is Mikadesh HaShabbos, that God sanctifies Shabbos. God alone sanctifies Shabbos because it occurs every single week without any human contribution. Shabbos happens when the sun sets on Friday. The holiness of Shabbos spontaneously descends on the world, which the story of Israel of Ruzhin was able to detect even as a young child. But when Yom Tov comes, it's us, the Jewish people, who sanctify Yom Tov because it's determined by the day of the month rather than the day of the week. In ancient Israel, the High Court, the Basin, the Sanhedrin, were the ones who would declare when a new month began, as we were talking about before, based on the testimony of, of witnesses who saw the new moon, and then the Basin, the Sanhedrin, would declare that it's a new month. Since the new month depends on the court, we thank God for sanctifying us, the Jewish people, which empowers us to sanctify the days of the month and to dictate when a holiday would be, based on that formula of when a new month is determined by the Sanhedrin, or rather even by the witnesses who were dispatched by the Sanhedrin. Of course, on a spiritual level, this also means that Shabbos is a gift that we receive from above from God. But Yom Tov is a gift that we give to God, that we take and uplift an ordinary weekday and turn it into a holy day. And it comes from within. And so it's, it's extra precious that the holiday is something that we are taking a regular weekday and uplifting it to this very special day, to the Yom Tov. So keep that in mind. Food for thought. And when we think about food for thought, so let's launch into talking about the food, the meal. And the meal of Yom Tov is certainly a fabulous time to spend time with family, sit around the table, eat delicious food, sing songs, and have a jolly good time. So it's not just about having a good time. We want to make it a meaningful time. So we begin a Yom Tov meal just like every Shabbos with Kiddush. Unlike on Shabbos where Kiddush is a biblical obligation, on Yom Tov it's actually Midrabanan, a rabbinic obligation. But nevertheless, all the laws that pertain to Kiddush on Shabbos also pertain to Kiddush on Yom Tov. And there's a particular tune that's different than the Shabbos tune. So make sure to Say your Kiddush and sing it with the nice tune to the best of your ability. Nice when the family and everybody gets to participate in the Kiddush. And that's the way we begin our meal, always in a most meaningful way. So the tune, without a sitter in my presence, but we'll start off. Savri Maranam, Baruch HaTosh, Hashem Elokeinu, Melech and continue with that tune throughout. All right, you'll continue at your pace and your tune in the right moment. But the, the, the core of the Kiddush mandate is our verbal proclamation about the sanctity of this day. That's what it's about. Our sages ordained that Kiddush should be recited on a cup of wine and if you don't like wine, of course, if you can't, if you can tolerate it, especially since you want to stay up late through the night, uh, then you want to have it on grape juice. But 
that's what gives it its significance. It makes it chashib. It makes it important. In many cultures, wine is an important drink. It provides an atmosphere of, of prominence, of significance. And Judaism, we use wine to mark so many momentous occasions. And if it's this is the way we begin our holidays. So you want to make sure that you have a nice good wine and you make a nice kiddush. And then everybody goes to to um, have the chalas, and many people have round challah on a yamtav, which is another way of distinguishing between a Shabbos and a festival. And this is the way we begin our yamtav meals, not only to enjoy the gastronomic delights, but also to highlight the significance of this time. And it's great that between courses to sing songs and songs particularly that are relevant to the Shavuos, to the Yom Tov, and to share words of Torah, of inspiration. If you are in the Santon Central area, please come join us. We'll have an all-night learning session, which will be interspersed between different courses of the meal. So like this, one is able to participate, not only to eat the food, but also to have food for thought and to uplift this special time of the holiday, the festival. And it is something, you know, after you make Kiddush, just important that you have to immediately begin a meal. That's a halachic point. Kiddush is a spiritual endeavor, but we need to make sure that it influences our regular life. So it has to influence every aspect, the way we eat, our mundane activities. And therefore, we go straight from the Kiddush, we wash, we have our motzi, and we begin our meal. And it's something that's going to influence every part of our life. It should be something that is uplifted, that is that is elevated, that is spiritually uplifted. And so you go straight into washing to have two loaves of challah. They remind us, of course, of the manna from heaven, which was when the Jewish people were in the desert. And this is between Pesach and Shavuos, a couple of weeks after the Exodus, and they ran out of food provisions. A month later, what were they supposed to do? And of course, God provided manna that rained down from heaven every day. But on Fridays and Yom Tov, a double portion of manna fell because they were not allowed to actually collect on the holiday itself. So we commemorate that with every single holiday we remember. And every Shabbos, of course, the manna, the miracle of God providing us for while we were in the desert. And therefore, we have the two loaves of bread. So when you're doing your shopping still, make sure that you have at least five chalas so that you can have two for each meal. Like this, I mean, minimum. That's what I'm saying. And this is also one of the reasons why we cover the chala, actually, during Kiddush. Because the man would fall between two layers of dew, one above it and one below it. And that's what kept it fresh and clean, according to the Medrash. So when we cover our chala, we have a tablecloth beneath it as well, which adds even more, then it is a reminder that we are caring, uh, we are we are remembering the way God cared for us when God provided the manna in the desert and provided for all of our needs. And remembering the manna reminds us that just as God provided for our ancestors back then in the desert, God still provides and continues to provide for us. And that's a reminder that by following the Torah, which we celebrate on Shavuos, we know that God will take care of all of our needs. We don't just provide for ourselves through our own efforts. 
the Torah emphasizes this so many times over and over. We have to remember that it's God provides for us through our efforts. That is the way it works. And so on Shabbos and Yom Tov, when it might be challenging for some, but we abstain from engaging in work. And for some, that might even cause a financial loss. But it's important to remember that the truth is we know that our income is what comes from God. God is the one who provides. So when we cover, when we, when we have the challah, it is a reminder of that, having the double portion. According to halacha, Jewish law, that when we have bread and wine on our table, actually, we say the bracha on the bread first, ordinarily, and only then the wine, because that reminds us of the order in which the Torah describes the sequence of the seven kinds with which the land of Israel is blessed. But on Shabbos and Yom Tov, because of the tradition to recite Kiddush before eating our bread or challah, so we prioritize that, but in order not to embarrass the bread, we cover it. And I think it's a very, very powerful message. We know that bread, challah, does not have feelings, does not have emotions, does not get parriddled. But our sages wanted to impart such a powerful lesson that if something as inanimate as bread has to be treated with such sensitivity and consideration, then how much more so we should be on guard not to embarrass or hurt our fellow human beings, especially our loved ones in our home as we enjoy the meal. Let's make sure that our yumt of meal is conducted in the most pleasant and beautiful way that everybody wants to be and feels like they're part of this in and enjoying the meal with each other. That is the way the meal should be. So as I said before, the meal in Yamtiv definitely should be more lavish and more enjoyable even than a Shabbos meal. So make sure you got some really good gastronomic delights. Tasty food brings joy and it helps us fulfill the requirements of enjoying a good yamtav. So there are various uh, different traditional customs of what people eat on yamtav. Some people even have milkings on the meat in the evening meal, but customarily one enjoys meat. Uh, meat and wine, according to the Talmud, are actually obligatory on yamtav. And this is because our sages deem these foods that when consumed in moderation, they are especially conducive to facilitating joy. So there are, there are many reasons why people, but the main thing is to enjoy a great and delicious meal. And this is what we do every Yom Tov, but particularly on Shavuos, we're celebrating God giving us the Torah. And so enjoy the meal. And if you're going to keep your meal going, as long as you keep the meal going and studying and singing and enjoying then you only bench when your meal is actually done. But particularly Shavuos night, there's a custom that people stay awake the entire night. I have to say when I was in Jerusalem on Shavuos, it was an incredible experience walking around to different shuls and experiencing the Torah classes, the insights, the lectures, the discussions. And regardless whether you're going to be going to another shul or listening to various lectures, or do it at your own table. Because on Shavuos, our sages describe that the day that we receive the Torah, it's a betrothal ceremony between God and ourselves, as we've been discussing. It's a marriage. It's a, a commitment to a relationship. And the hours leading up to the wedding, the bride's entourage beautify and they adore. 
They adorn the bride to make sure that she looks most beautiful for her groom when they finally get to see each other. And so, in a similar fashion, we spend the hours before we'll once again be betrothed, we'll renew our vows with God, and we adorn ourselves, we beautify ourselves, spiritually speaking, by studying the Torah, which is the way a Jew beautifies himself. And this is what the Zohar says, why we do the Tikkun Leil Shavuos, staying up all night. And according to the Medrash, actually, the night before God gave us the, tor- the Torah, there were the people were sleeping. And this wasn't something, that's not the correct way to be preparing for receiving the Torah. According in the book of Isaiah, it says, Karasi God says, you know, I called out and no response. Well, what's going on? So we rectify that by remaining awake um, this entire night and studying Torah in preparation for the receiving the Torah. Now, the truth is, you know, oftentimes we see that in a derogatory, in a, in a negative light. But the truth is, uh, the Rebbe points out that this was not an error. This was intentional. Before Matan Torah, the only way to connect with holiness was to divorce oneself from materialism. The best way to achieve that was in a sense, through sleep. So Matan Torah made it possible to introduce godliness into the world. And so today we prepare ourselves by staying awake and studying. But then there was uh, this idea of being prepared to receive the Torah by having a good night's rest before. So what do you do? You stay awake, not just to chit-chat. In fact, I want to emphasize that it's more important to hear the Ten Commandments in Shul in the morning than it is to stay awake through the night. So while it's nice to stay up, more important is to be awake in the morning to hear the Ten Commandments read in shoe. But what do you do while you stay awake? It's no TV shows, it's Yom Tov. Well, we study a book called Tikkun Lel Shavuos, which concludes, this, this book has in it the entirety of Torah. So according to the first reason of staying awake, Tikkun literally means a a adornment actually so the understanding is that by studying this book of torah studies we are adorning ourselves for the receiving of the torah according to the other reason of of why they we of you know that that they slept the night before well tikkun, tikkun also means a rectification so we are metakin we rectify that of what our ancestors did sleeping the night before and so we read this book of Tikkun Lel Shavuos, which comprises of the entirety of Torah. It has the first three and last three passages of every chapter in the Torah. And it has the first and last passage of each tractate in the Talmud. It has a list of all the 613 mitzvahs. It has different parts of Zohar and Sefer Yetzirah, the book of formation. And it has many other important parts. For example, not only the first three chapters, of there, there are certain parts of Torah that certain episodes call it that are of unique significance that are emphasized, such as Exodus from Egypt and the splitting of the sea and the giving of the Torah. So when we study this book throughout the night, it allows us to scan the entire scopus of Torah, the written Torah, the oral Torah, the commentaries, the, 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 the all the different commandments, and even the concealed, the mystical side of Torah by studying the Kabbalah Jewish mysticism as well. We will be right back and talk more about 
how best to celebrate the holiday of Shavuos.